may be seated. Our scripture today is found in John 15, verses 1 through 4. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love about our church is we're not like every other church, right? Um, And one of the ways I know that is, did you realize that there's all these little, what I like to think of as Easter eggs hidden around campus? There are keys mortared into brick walls. Some of the, I see some of the founding members like, yeah, we know that. There are crosses in different places along the sidewalks. And there is scripture written into the concrete in different places. And it's like a treasure hunt, especially when I first got here. I tried to find every single one of those things. I'm not sure that I have yet. But one of the ones that was given to me was the senior pastor then, the founding pastor's name's David. He took took me to see a scripture that is integral when we built this church. And it's this one, the vine and the branches. Well, it was there. Um, It's John chapter 15. And I, I listened to him talk, and I thought, you know, here are, there are thousands of scriptures you could pick to carve into the foundation of your sanctuary. You know, thousands that you could choose from. Isn't it interesting that the people who built this church, many of whom still sit with us today, said, you know, of everything that we could say God is calling us to be, this one scripture really is the heart of it. And so I've saved this message on the I am statements to last because I thought we need to come back here because this is the one written in concrete in the foundation of our church, this vine and branches. And as I looked at this scripture, I thought, well, it's calling us to to do and to be three things, to be pruned, to be connected, and to bear fruit. So let's talk about how we could do those things, how Bee Creek and how each of us can do those things. And first of all, we're going to talk about pruning. Some of y'all may remember a man named Jerry Wakehouse. He was a member of this church. He came here after he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, he caught the spirit at Bee Creek early on. 
he realized we're, we're a bunch of doers. We like to serve. We like to get out there. And he said, Pastor Laura, in my physical state, what I feel like I could do is I could help you with your plants around the church. He said, specifically, I've noticed that your rose bush is, you know, a little iffy. <laughs> and I said, you're right. We have a rose bush right here outside the church uh, door on the walkway. It is my favorite, y'all. It's my favorite plant that we have. I know I shouldn't have favorites, but I love the rose bush. Um, there are pictures of me as a three-year-old in my neighbor's yard smelling roses. So it's always been in my DNA that I just love the fragrance of roses. And every time I walk by, almost, if there are roses, I'll smell. So to have somebody care for this little rose bush, I thought was a great gift. And so I said, yes, I don't think anyone's taking care of that rose bush. Jerry, please take care of it. Well, the next Monday morning, as I'm walking from the office to the sunrise room for our staff meeting, I see Jerry down on his knees. He's got all of his tools around him, and he's taking a look at the rose bush, what he's going to do with it. And I gave him this big hug, and I thanked him for what he was doing, and I went into the staff meeting. And then I came out, and I thought, the rose bush. I'm going to see how beautiful it is now. <laughs> I walk out and I see the rosebush. I am so glad Jerry was not there because my face looked like this. It was a massacre, a rose massacre. Jerry, I think, had moved on to the next victim. And so this one, it just, it was like he had cut everything all of these branches that had started to bud, and there were, there were some flowers they were laying on the ground. I was like, babies, no. Oh. And so I started telling myself, calm down, calm down. I, I tend to look for the positive, and I thought, you know what? This is how it is with volunteers. <laughs> Sometimes they know what they're doing. Sometimes not so much. And so just really quietly, I gathered up the few roses that were left. I was like, I'll keep you on my desk and, and please live through this, right? I'm sorry. He was, his heart was in the right place, Rosebush. Well, the amazing thing is that in the weeks to come, and I was trying to figure out how to tell Jerry, your services need to be directed in another area, right, of the church. You could sit quietly in the back and pray, or I don't know. Well, over the next couple of weeks, this rose not only re revives, it begins to thrive. Some of y'all may remember that. Uh, the rose where it had had maybe a handful of blooms every year before, it had dozens dozens. You could smell it from the office. It, it was alive in a way it had never been alive before. And I learned something, even I'm not a gardener, I learned something watching Jerry take care of roses is you have to prune them so that they can, they can really thrive. They can live. Go out and look at our rose bush, okay? It's alive. Um, but when Jerry passed on and nobody's been pruning it, it doesn't flourish anymore. To flourish, it needed someone to prune it, somebody who knew what they were doing. And it is the same in our lives. And that can be really scary. 
But if you notice in the scripture, God doesn't prune the unfruitful branches. It's only when you have great potential, when you're bearing fruit, that God says, okay, well, let's talk about what needs to go so that your vitality can be spent in the right area. And y'all, for us, since we're not a rose bush, instead of a, a branch or some leaves, we're talking about thoughts, behaviors, actions, the choices that we make that God says, you know, those are separating you from me. Those are stealing your life if we get rid of them. You'll flourish. And so we have to be brave enough. First of all, if we're going to be the branches on God's vine, we have to be brave enough to be pruned. How do we know what needs to go? We'll do like Jerry. Get down on your knees. Take a look. And then don't be afraid as God guides you to make those cuts. Because what's going to happen is new vitality. Okay? So first we need to let God prune us. The second thing we need to do is we need to stay connected. And there are so many English words that translate that connectedness that Jesus is talking about in Greek. Um, I hear remain in me in some scriptures. Abide. I love that abide. It's like making a dwelling. Abide, stay connected. Um, and to, to tell you about this, I want to tell you a story. I was 23 years old. I was coming into ministry. And as I did, all of the pastors, first of all, they all clap for you. And then they all pull you aside and are like, seriously, it's a minefield. It's a graveyard in ministry. And you need to just be careful out there because it will rip you up. Whoa. But Pastor Greg said, Exactly the same thing told to him, right? DG, did you have that told to you too? Yes. So I've been in ministry now. Um, this is kind of cool. I celebrated a month ago my 10-year anniversary of my ordination. 10 years. It's exciting. Yeah. And I, my ordination class got together. All the people who went through three years of residency and then now have been 10 years ordained, we all got together. There were 12 of us originally. Do y'all want to know how many are still in active ministry? Four. So it's real, and if it's real for pastors, then it's real for all of us. I, I want you to know that there really are hackers, there really are forces of evil in this world that if they can get us to disconnect, to not abide, to not remain, then they've won. Game over, right there. And so what I have started doing, even back when I was 23 years old, so I started looking at people's lives, pastors who had not only endured, but who were flourishing in ministry, 10, 20, 30 years, and try to figure out what is it about those men and women that would teach me, that would teach y'all, what it is to have faith over the long term. And they're different people, 
And they all have highs and lows in ministry and in life. They've all experienced tragedies and shocks, and they've been on the top of a mountain. And, and at first, when you look at them, you're like, what is the common denominator? Because they all, they all approach God in different ways. Some of them have accountability partners, and some read the Bible. And for some, it's music that connects them. I thought, what is it? And I, then I realized, here's the one thing that all of those people who endure in ministry do, they stay connected. However that looks for them, in whatever ways they can nourish that connection with Jesus Christ, they put that very first. And even when their schedule is so busy, and we've all been there, they are still saying the first thing that I do every day or the most important thing is I pray. I, I sing or I take a walk and I connect with God or I do my journal. However that looks, they're saying I'm staying connected above everything else. And y'all, if I could give you one gift, one piece of advice, one word of how to endure in your faith, it would be abide. Stay connected to Jesus, because if you stay connected to Jesus, all the rest of it's going to fall into place. But if you lose that connection with Jesus, all the rest of it is lost. It all becomes empty and meaningless. So that just means that every, not, so being in worship, that's good, right? You're choosing to be connected. Singing is good. Praying every morning, that's good. And so too is just reminding ourselves as we go through our day. So we've already said our prayer, but we're like, I'm not done yet. I need to think about where is Jesus right now and where does he need me to be? Throughout the day, that connection. That, so that we can have life pouring into us. Now, the final thing that we do after we have allowed God to prune us and after we've put our priority on staying connected is we bear fruit. This is a tomato plant from my garden. I know. It's like the best one, so don't get too excited. Um, but you know what I've, I've never seen about a tomato plant? I have never seen a tomato plant worry itself into fruit. Have you ever seen that? Like, it's like... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. It's natural, okay? If the plant, it has a good gardener, right? If it has the water, if it's got, you can actually take off branches to help it have vitality. If it has sunlight, if it has its nourishment, then fruit is a natural result. Don't have to worry or fret. It happens. And it's the same with our lives. When we allow ourselves to be pruned, when we stay connected with Jesus, fruit is what happens. And it looks different in every life. Some, some gardeners said, I have a fig tree. A Mac across the way has grapes growing. I have these tomatoes and some basil. We, and actually in lives, you can have different fruit growing from one person, right? All these beautiful fruits. Uh, some of them are on our banner, right? Fruit of the Spirit. You'll see kindness growing in your life. Some of them are when you see, you're teaching Sunday school and you see a child say, oh, 
I never knew that. That's fruit. Or you're being an usher and you see people walking up and you smile and a smile lights up their face and you think, I welcome that person today. It's fruit. Um, Our teens who spent a week on a rooftop working to improve the lives of the people who live in that home. They were doing that. That's fruit. There's so many beautiful kinds of fruit. Um, It's delicious. It smells amazing. But you know what the key is about fruit that God wants us to produce? Does the tomato plant eat its own fruit? No, this tomato is for the people, for me in the house. It's for the rock squirrels that come steal it away from me, right? It's, it's for the animals and the people. It's for someone else. And the seeds then are scattered so that the kingdom grows. And I wanted to show you this. Uh, last year we had tomatoes as well. It's looking kind of pitiful now because, look, it got severed, Right? But this is a wild tomato that I did not plant that has had a profusion of little tomatoes on it. A profusion. Hundreds and hundreds. They're tiny. They're sweet. They're wonderful. I didn't plant this. It came from some seed that was scattered. Right? And then I, I get to have the fruit of that, and then it's going to go somewhere else. It's incredible. And when we talk about the fruit that grows in our lives... This is what we're talking about. That in a world that is often dark and violent and where people choose hate, we get to produce the fruit of God. And everywhere your feet step, there are seeds of goodness being planted to bring hope a different kind of a harvest. So I'm happy that long ago our, our founders wrote that scripture into the bedrock of this church, that we built upon it. And my prayer would be that you would write this scripture in the pathways of your heart that you would allow God to lead you into life and vitality as you grow into all he has for you. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to stay connected to you, to let you pour into us life, strength. Help us to not be afraid of pruning but to embrace it so that we can become stronger, more vital. And finally, Lord, we pray that you would help us to produce fruit that lasts, where the seeds are spread throughout this world and, and many, many people can taste the goodness that is you. We ask this in your strong and powerful name. Amen.